Today on Alabama Unfiltered, we talked to Christine Carr about the medical marijuana bill that passed last session and what this means for your community. Coming up, these pot shops are coming all over Alabama. What this bill has specifically in it and that you need to be aware of. And also, we're gonna talk about how Governor Kay Ivey and the legislature kind of sold us out on this one, so stick around. Welcome into this week's edition of Alabama Unfiltered. I am one of your hosts for the program. By the way, make sure you find us at all the different places you can find podcasts. Tell your friends about it. Give us a good rating, thumbs up, five stars, all of those kinds of things. Amy Beth Shaver is also with me, and Allison Sinclair is here as well. So, ladies, what's going on this week? You never said your name. Did I not do that the second no. time either? Okay. Scott Hold Beeson. On. <sighs> but well, you know wait, what? Do we you need an going. introduction? Let's just it's keep fine. going. It's fine. Well, I messed it up already. No, now. you didn't. You sure? Yeah. You're okay with that? Absolutely. I say it every day. We're you unfiltered. Didn't say I know who I am. We're raw. We're good, but hey, we welcome, mess up, we welcome to the show. So, what are we doing today? Today, I'm super excited. We're talking to Christine Carr, who is a mom on a mission. She's after a woman after my own heart and God's heart. So, she's an activist. She just found herself in an unlikely position and um, has made some waves down in Montgomery, and we're happy to have her on. Christine, are you with us? Hello. Hi. Hey. How are you? Great. Let's um, start. Kind of tell us how you found yourself in the middle of the medical marijuana debate of Alabama. It's not where you normally find no. a mom and... Um, True. Really not anything that was ever on your radar, was it? Not on my radar, not anything I ever expected that I would get so heavily involved in, you know, by profession. I'm a nurse anesthetist. I've been taking care of patients for 27 years, mother of four. Um, always been involved or interested in policy, politics, those types of things. I mean, I consciously became a Republican when I was nine years old. So I'm sure that's common. <laughs> Um, I'm fourth graders, but those were the Reagan years. So there you I was, go. I was about uh, to yeah. say that must have been during Reagan. Absolutely. Right. Those were the good years. I wrote my first letter to the president when I was 10. So that, mm, you know, true. it's just always been a part of kind of a part of who I am and, you know, that I care about. And um, this time last year, uh, we, our family was living in New Orleans. Uh, one of my sons had uh, some concussions, some injuries, and we were getting specialized treatment. I wasn't paying attention to what was going on in the state. I mean, my goodness, for healthcare people, we have all just come out of a really tough COVID year. And we were all reeling, of course, from everything with the national stage. Remember this time last year and it's everything going fuzzy. on nationally. Right, I've, yes. I've just blanked it out. Yeah, of my memory, but, I know we yes. kind of want to. We want to forget some of it. So when I came home, I was on cloud nine. I wanted to talk to people about this great treatment that my son had. Would love to start clinics here, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what just through serendipity, a conversation introduced me to the fact that wow, the best medical investment was going to be uh, medical marijuana, and it had easily passed through the Senate. And my jaw just about hit the floor. I remember hearing about the last attempts to get medical marijuana passed in Alabama around 2019. And I was very happy that, you know, we all had enough common sense to see how things had gone wrong in other states. And mm -hmm. it was always handily defeated uh, because of my profession and my specialty in anesthesia, pain management, trauma, biochemistry, cellular mechanisms. I knew enough to know that um, it was at best questionable, but but not the great promised 
you know, thing that people were trying to, to make it out to be. So I was concerned, I prayed, got in touch with some conservative friends of mine, some representatives, some people running for positions. And they said, yes, Christine, we're really concerned. Got in touch with other conservative um, activists, some wonderful physicians who are not politically aligned in any way. And before you knew it, I was at the House Health Committee hearing on April 14th of last year. And that's when I saw before me that the fix was in and it was a really, really sad sight to Christine, see. Christine, before we go any further, before we get into what happened in Montgomery and the experiences you had, um, your expertise is, is healthcare. You, you have friends and people who work in healthcare, and, and you were alluding to that medical marijuana is not the the panacea that everyone thinks it. I, I know people personally, friends of mine, that when I'm on my radio program and I say something about, "Hey, this stuff is bad for you," I don't know why everybody thinks it's great. That he literally gets upset with me because he is convinced right. that this is like the miracle drug that it will do everything. Make you know, I laugh and say you're still going to be bald the whole nine yards, whatever. <laughs> but um, why do you think it is? There's this disconnect between the realities of what it is, and so many people think if I just could get this, it's kept away from me, and if I could get it, my problems will be solved. Why do you do you have any idea why that is? Why is there why do so many people believe in it so wholeheartedly? And that's why they get upset and well, why they can't really debate the issue because they're literally emotionally tied to this substance. Right. Absolutely. Here's a few, you know, background to that. Um, one, you have to give the marijuana industry enormous credit for their marketing strategies. They're awesome at it. Uh, there are modus operandi is usually in every state. They're going to find a handful of people who are suffering and mm -hmm. their stories are important. I care about their stories. And so they're going to pitch something that is somewhat, you know, quasi shady science. Some of it is valid. And most legislators, when it comes to understanding scientific principles, um, I would have to say. I was down there and I'm going to go. It's not just scientific <laughs> principles. It might just be principles. Yeah. So then, you know, all you have to do is just, you know, find that one person. And they had Senator Melson as their champion, who is a retired physician. Mm -hmm. And um, I do not, you know, give him much credit as, as being the most honest person on dealing with this subject. I've been very disappointed and saddened by his behavior. Uh, we could go into that a little bit more, but um, I still have hope for him, maybe. Um, and so people were sold a bill of goods based on emotion, tugging mm -hmm. of the heartstrings. Uh, they've got a doctor that's pushing it, yet they don't want to listen to the other doctors that are trying to give the warnings. So then there's enough manipulation. There's enough bullying. That's another tactic. Our law enforcement was treated horribly. But people that, that want to believe, okay, so they have the desire to believe that this is the panacea. This is the end-all, be-all, wonderful, right. natural, herbal thing that you could have. Um, there's the marketing side of marijuana industry. But there's a lot of hurt and people today. There's a lot of mistrust towards traditional medicine. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of distrust towards the FDA. Mm -hmm. we, I don't we've had them. some problems. right? And I don't blame, I, I'm a big time, Amy Beth knows this, I'm a big time like, use nutrition to heal thy body, natural things. I've written on it and spoken about it for years. I'm, I'm very, very supportive of that. Um, and a lot of people want that and I don't blame them. Right. I use essential oils at my house. There's all kinds of natural things. 
So people want options and they're hurt and they don't trust. And so they want to hear that maybe there's something else for them and they're ready to believe that. And when you have a situation where the science is confusing and people do blog posts and call them studies mm. and the average person doesn't know the difference, the average, average legislature doesn't know the difference, then they go to the default to the experts. And then it becomes difficult to know who's the experts you can trust. So there's a, a mixture of confusion. There's a mixture, I think, of hurt, a sense of lack of trust, and all those things start to come together. Um, and that's how we've kind of found ourselves where we are. So do you think that this bill, because I've said from the beginning that when you read these bills, and I hope most people do, it sounds so boring, but it's so important. It really is. Because the devil is in the details, literally. And yeah. And I have um, several people in local Alabama, um, the group that I started, that are pro-medical marijuana. And I tell them, even if you're pro-medical marijuana, read this bill. It is a mm -hmm. good old boy, terrible. It's just a bad bill. Right. So yes. do you think that, that the legislature, do you think this the, the passage of this was motivated out of maybe lack of knowledge, but also there's the compassion part that always comes up? You know, well, if you're mm -hmm. compassionate, you know, this is a compassion drug. Yeah, was know? it was it compassion with them not knowing, or was it, hey, let's let's enrich certain people, and and we really don't care what happened to it? Because I can see being bamboozled yeah. with the compassion thing. Because when right. I was down there, no matter what the issue was, they would find the cute kid, you know, five year old great kid, and your Always. your heart is breaking for them, and if this just might possibly help them, wouldn't you want to do it? And it's hard to, I mean, cause yes. So was it more corruption or compassion? Or both, I guess that's an option. It's a combination of both. Um, I, I want to still say that most people had very good intentions and they meant well. Mm -hmm. um, when we get onto the topic of, of compassion, that's once that's something I get uh, passionate about. Uh, because I, I take great offense at those that accuse others of not being compassionate just because they don't like the idea of the marijuana industry coming into our state. Right. Um, you know, I do medical advisory for Drug Free Alabama and for other uh, drug prevention groups. I work with a lot of great um, Christian conservative groups and other community groups. And um, those people are all compassionate people. And we don't have a problem with medical marijuana per se. We have a big issue with the medical, the marijuana industry and what they represent. Because we actually have true medical cannabis right now. Let me tell you the difference. We have medical cannabis that are FDA approved drugs, such as Epidiolex, which is a pure CBD. We have Marinol, which is a THC derivative. Sesamet, which is a THC derivative, and we have also coming on the market things called nabixamols, which are a CBD THC mix, hopefully to help people with some chronic pain issues and neuropathic pain. Those are medications that you can get from a physician prescription and you can pick up in a pharmacy. Now, are they horribly they expensive? Because that'll uh, be one of the arguments. Well, they're covered by insurance. Okay. They're covered by insurance. You can pick them up from a pharmacy. They are and they have bad side effects too. Listen, just because a drug is FDA approved does not mean it's it's not potentially harmful. Here I am in anesthesia and I deal with fentanyl, okay? But I know what I'm doing when I deal with fentanyl. So when you have these FDA drugs that can have side effects, 
we have the procedures and the protocols for that. What we're dealing with here is the marijuana industry and they're taking whole plant marijuana. It is essentially pot and it's just processed. And now they say it, they can't ever claim it to be pharmaceutical grade because pharmaceutical grade means FDA approved. They'll call it therapeutic grade and they'll say it's the purest stuff you can get. It's the best stuff you can get. Mm -hmm. Traditionally in other states, they fail every time. But I don't know, maybe Alabama will be different. Mm -hmm. But it is truly all the chemicals of the marijuana plant, okay. all the hundreds and hundreds of chemicals. And we only know the tip of the iceberg of their um, interactions with the human body, their drug interactions. Um, and here you have a certified cannabis doctor who could be like a retired ophthalmologist or something, advising someone with PTSD. And they have no training in that on how much marijuana they should take. They can't get a prescription for it because at least right now, it is still federally illegal schedule one drug. Doctors can't prescribe whole plant marijuana. They give them a recommendation. Then that patient takes the recommendation to the cannabis commission to get their cannabis card. Then they will go to a dispensary, which is not a pharmacy. There will never be a pharmacist there. There are not trained pharmacy techs there. Uh, there, this could be someone that was working at Starbucks last week or delivering your pizza, um, often giving you medical advice, and that's where you buy the marijuana. It is the same substance that you would buy in a shop where full recreational legal marijuana would be. The only difference in states that have both recreational and medical programs is the tax. People in full recreational states still love to have their medical marijuana card because they can buy it at a lower tax rate. It's the same substance. And that is what's coming to Alabama, the industry. And that's what we don't like. It is poorly regulated. It causes more harms. More youth will be using drugs. And right now, you know, even in this bill that we couldn't, this simple pro-life bill, we couldn't get passed through the, through the legislature, thanks to Kay Ivey, um, to protect the unborn from being exposed from this marijuana. So when people want to talk about compassion mm -hmm. and I say, I care about your story. I care about your child's epilepsy and I want to help that. But I need you to also care about the parents that have buried their children because they committed suicide from taking medical marijuana. I need you to care about the parents that have buried their children because they were killed in a car accident. I need you to care and show compassion for those that are hurt just as much as I have compassion for your needs. So mm -hmm. this bill is all encompassing. There's several components to it. Walk us mm -hmm. through kind of the main points of, of age requirements. Okay. Um, you were talking about the pot shop workers that have a, what I think you said a four hour training um, about how to advise people right. four hours of like some video training. Mm -hmm. um, the, the caregiver component is fascinating right. to me. They're basically can be drug dealers. It's bizarre. Right. So kind of walk through the details of the bill um, okay. and what we need to know so about that. I'll give you the real quick skinny on, I'm going to be fair, and some things I think that are good about the bill. Okay. Uh, you could tell that probably the BCA got involved in some way because there are good protections for business owners and workplace comp. Okay. That was just so, CYA. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't because they cared, I promise you. Oh, right, right, goodness. right. So so at least, um, you know, a business owner is not held at all to be required to 
allow an employee to stay employed because they're on medical marijuana. Okay. So, you know, that there are some protections. You're not going to get your workman's comp if you tested positive and you can't say, well, I have medical marijuana. That's, you don't have that excuse. So, um, I'm glad that it at least was passed through the legislature and not through a popular vote. Usually traditionally popular vote marijuana programs end up becoming the worst say in uh, right now, Florida is about to explode with bad problems. Oklahoma is in terrible shape. Of course, California, Colorado, uh, they have them in their constitution. So any it's, it's just terrible. So we at least have some of those kind of protections and uh, the marijuana industry does complain that we are the most restrictive. So we'll see over time. Here's the problem. There's a few problems. You can be as young as 19 and go find yourself a cannabis doctor. And all you have to do is just have a complaint as simple as depression, because that's one of our biggest problems is age and the conditions list. The conditions list is so broad so, that so it is designed. The 19 year old base. can't buy a beer, but he can go right. out. I'm thinking of my son who's 19. Right. Um, right. And he could walk in. Without me. Right. Without you. And get his own card. Yet right. he can't legally purchase a six I mean, pack at the gas station. Right. Okay. Right. So how did they miss that one? That I one mean, seems that seems big. pretty basic. Like was, what what's the problem there, legislature? At least make it twenty one. Right. Yeah. I um I had another bill written to try and raise the age at least to twenty five. And if there was anybody that medically needed marijuana under the age of twenty five, we were just going to have some more safeguards like you need to actually have a specialist check off on this. You have to have pediatricians involved in this. There right. have to be really strict safeguards for anyone under the age of 25 because the frontal lobe does not stop developing until about that age. And when we see the worst impacts of marijuana on young, on people, it's with young people. And if we're going to do something that's medically responsible, we should do everything in our power to keep it out of the hands of kids even very young adults because of the impact of psychosis, suicide, schizophrenia, aggressive, violent behavior, all those different things, cannabis hyperemesis syndrome. Uh, but they've not done that. So 19 years old. Uh, yes, my son turns 19 in September. He'll be a freshman in college. And you know, the colleges here in Alabama have no idea what's about to hit them because be you could have your child could have a roommate that says, yeah, I've got anxiety disorder and mm -hmm. I've got my medical marijuana and it's right there. You can have up to 70 doses at one time in the same dorm room as your child or bring it into your home if they live at home with you. So that's, that's nice. better start checking those drawers. That's what can happen. Mm -hmm. um, if someone is younger than 19, and there's someone believes they should have marijuana for their condition, then they have to be under the care of a caregiver. Or if there's someone that's incapacitated, um, that's older and it's under the care of someone, um, the caregiver only has to be 21 years old. They don't have to have any medical training. So my 19 year old have can have a 21 year old caregiver. Yes. And care I, mean, well, I guess, no, he can get it on his own, but like my 17-year-old right, right. just needs it. Okay. And a caregiver, um, usually a caregiver can be just about any, yes, they, most likely a parent, legal guardian, grandparent, uh, someone with power of attorney, and they can be paid. And the last time I checked, the conservatorship situation in our state was not 
the best. So just imagine if you have some unscrupulous lawyers, and I'm sure we have none of those in Alabama. No, of course not. That can be paid to distribute marijuana to their the people under their care. I don't know if it's going to get to them or not. There's no safeguard set up to make sure that there's, you know, in my world, you know, we have drug counts every day. You have to go give a sample if your drug counts don't line up. Right. Everything has to be checked every single time. And I have to go through so much training before I give any kind of psychoactive substance to a patient. Yet here in this system, in the caregiver system, you don't even have to know how to do CPR. And so you can how many people this. can this caregiver um, it's left up to facilitate their drug deals? How many people can this caregiver be a mule tool to? Um, right now, that is something the law says the commission can decide. Oh, excellent. Oh, Love man. it, which is another great and point it, of that bill. Let's talk about all the people that are getting rich off of this. Yeah. This is not us. The bureaucracy. Mm. Well, it is a new it is a, a very new and already expensive bureaucracy. The director is getting paid over $200,000 a year. Um, the members of the commission, they don't receive a salary, and they do get paid $500 a day for every time they're acting within the, the grounds of doing service for the Cannabis Commission. Uh, and then they get expenses paid. Um, they are not allowed to be involved in the marijuana industry, I guess, at least in Alabama. Uh, the troubling thing is, is right now the physician that is the chair of the Alabama Cannabis Medical Cannabis Commission currently practices as a marijuana doctor in Florida three days a week. I mean, I, I don't. Li, li, There's what a do you even? What do you say about that? Welcome to Alabama. Hi. I mean, right? <laughs> Montgomery is happy to have you. Right. I, I oh. And and these were these were Republicans that brought it in. These were Republicans that brought it in. So, um, so yes, you have the commission. The commission gets to decide after one year. So they all they get to decide how many patients a caregiver can have. They get to decide after one year of the new dispensaries open, they get to decide how many more dispensaries get to be open. So right now there's conflicting data, there's conflicting language in the law. Uh, so the first rollout of dispensaries, we, we may have, 12 or 15 in the state, but after one year, the commission can decide based on profit, profitability margins, the needs of farmers to have more business opportunities, mm -hmm. demand, uh, all those medically based factors. Uh, then they get to decide how many more dispensaries get to be opened up in the state. Do so they decide who gets those? The commission decides who gets the licenses to open up dispensaries. They work with the ag commission to decide who gets to be growers. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's one aspiring pot grower. He's never been a farmer one day in his life, but after his daddy sold his trucking company for three billion dollars, uh, he wants to be a pot farmer out of Dothan now. And he, he gave Kay Ivy a nice $100,000 donation Ooh. a few months ago. Oh. So, what, so, so, so who chooses the commission? Who The governor, the lieutenant governor, the Senate pro tem. Um, all the usual suspects. The state health officer. Oh, my word. The what? AG and the head of ALEA. Oh. 
I, I'd have to look that I up want again. The state so, health you know, officer to have to wear a mask when he makes the announcement. That's all I care about. And if he smokes pot, well, you have to like you know, cut you do a hole want in his mask. Medical, <laughs> do it. But um, okay, you know, so there's a mixture. There's a, a requirement to have a pediatrician, an oncologist, a, a couple of doctors, a couple of people in ag, some people in finance, law, a, oh, a mixture of it. So, oh, Christine, let, let me ask this because. It feels like a lot of this is is window dressing in that, oh, hmm. we have a commission and oh, there'll be doctors on the board and there'll be but it but it but it all is everybody is appointed and everybody is put in position to make this happen, to facilitate the business. And right. so I mean, why are we even pretending? We 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 kind of do should, it well. That's we why. ought to just kind of <laughs> say, look, you know what? This is the wild wild west. Mm-hmm. Everybody grows it. Everybody buys it. What does it matter? All we're making you do is stop by somewhere to to get your car. Then you're okay. I mean, it just seems so concocted to make it sound like legislators were really really trying to make it safe. But from what it sounds like from you is it, it's really going to be kind of the wild, wild west. And we're one of the most restrictive states. So do you it get what I'm saying? Yeah, it just seems so hypocritical or so so yeah. fake or phony that we're pretending that there's all this oversight and stuff when it's really about how much money can be made. And I think the response that might come from, you know, in the commission is that they're, they want to, they want to do it right. But the problem is, is that when I go to them or other concerned people go to them and then they don't want to really consider the suggestions of how to do it. If you want to do it right, then we need to do these certain steps. We need to pass these certain laws and they want to just leave it up to the commission making rules. Um, You know, KIV wouldn't listen to any of our international experts. She wouldn't meet in person or in Zoom with any of our international experts. She wouldn't meet with the DAs that wrote the letter publicly asking that this not pass. And these DAs were excoriated in the media, like by people from AL.com and others, terribly mistreated. Right. And then after it was passed, you know, we did our big filibuster and after it was passed and we had a big press conference asking the governor to veto it because even though this law might be better than other states' laws, it still has a lot of holes. Um, you know, that was, that was ignored. We had doctors, we had, um, conservatives, we had Christians, we had grieving parents that have buried their children. Um, we were allowed myself and two other physicians, we were allowed to each create a one pager of amendment suggestions to give to the governor. And this is basic low hanging fruit kind of stuff, protecting the kids, Mm -hmm. making sure that the unborn aren't exposed. Can we please not let people be driving on the roads with this much THC in their system? So we don't even have those protections. Okay. Yet. Yes, I think you need to. Spend and she some ignored time on every that. single one. She ignored every suggestion. So Christine, let me ask you this because we're talking a lot about the bureaucracy. We're talking a lot about what the legislators have pretended to try to do, which is just a smokescreen. But let's talk about the plant itself. Um, Is it not true? And the information, I love the video you did with the police captain. It was so helpful. Um, Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, But as far as the THC, is it not true that it was at about 4% in 1983 that is jumped 
in about 2018, now the level of THC is between 17 and 28%. Is that true that it is dramatically increased in the amount of that psychoactive ingredient? Yes, the potency is so much higher. And um, when you take a plant that it's been bred or genetically changed to, to, to have a potency, a THC potency of more than 25%, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're getting because then the processing concentrates it even further. So especially when you get younger people and they might take a, an, an edible, um, a medical marijuana edible, and they can concentrate it down, it's called dabbing, and then they can get a THC concentrate that's 90%. Oh, wow. And that happens all the time. So that's why THC, like the dab pens, are actually a felony versus if you have like the leaf, um, it's a yes. misdemeanor because it's a controlled substance. So, so, what, so what was it in the 60s? I, it was it was like four uh, percent. Oh, so that was the sixties, not the eighties. Well, the well, nineties. It was low, a little bit lower than it's that. Not the same weed right. that we went but to. Not the same weed. I didn't even have a wee weed weed oh. weed <laughs> wee weed. I didn't have a wee weed. So here's the question. Think about then, being a swimmer. The, you know, so reading an article from the physician who's the head of the Connecticut Medical Association, or was a few years ago, it and does. he talked about the increase. I'm just, you know what? I keep going. <laughs> The, the, the fact that it increases, that our governor wouldn't listen to DAs, that governor wouldn't listen to the people who have um, experience burying their children because of how terrible this is. But I'm looking at the statistics and the numbers of the increase of depression, suicide, psychosis, um, that in the state of Washington, uh, Wesley worked out in Oregon. We visited Washington this summer. It mm. smelled like pot, like didn't matter where you drove. Mm. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, but that 23% of youths who committed suicide had marijuana in their systems, which was up from 14%. So I don't understand mm -hmm. why our leadership doesn't want to hear that kind of information. You're right. Um, you know, in Colorado, marijuana is the number one substance for completed teen suicide. It surpassed alcohol years ago. Um, and, you know, and here we are, we have these millions of dollars that the governor is going to put towards mental health programs, <laughs> yet at the same time, bringing in an entity that's going to make it worse. Uh, it just makes no sense. So a lot of times people just, I found they just don't want to believe that that could possibly be true. And that's what's troubling is, I guess, in my field, so many things are black and white. You know, if, if, if a patient's heart rate's doing this, if their respiratory rate's doing this, we act. I don't play around and say, well, I hope that's not true. Right. Someone will die if I live like that. Unfortunately, there is this kind of kind of collective thought process that, no, it's certainly they couldn't be right. All those other states know that that can't be good data. Um, and it is. And, and that is also the risk that we have. I think I would have a lot more respect for Senator Melson for this law and for this process if they were willing to to say, yes, this is a dangerous drug. Kids do not use it. Parents, this is extremely dangerous. We must be cautious. We are going to keep this as limited and as strict as possible, and it should only be handled in this certain way. I think I'd have more respect for that. Um, but they're not doing that. They don't want to talk about the dangers, and that is medically dangerous for people. Um, you lack an informed consent. 
Uh, people will get hurt from this if we aren't honest about all the truth of the plant. So all the children will know that tobacco is bad for them, but they won't know that marijuana is bad for them. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's kind of the public opinion. You know, wherever all the studies show, wherever you have a decrease in perception of harm, you have increase of use. Right. Step by step. And, and that's. But I want to find out why Kay Ivy just ignored all the common sense suggestions. $100,000. Well, here's the thing, and you brought it up, and I think it's so true. You've talked about it with just different people that we know. Christine, this probably, you are very familiar with this, but, you know, when the bill originally came up a couple of years ago, Chris informed me then that we already, like you mentioned, we already are able to prescribe it. Four different types of medical marijuana, go to the pharmacy, you get it. Um, so if this is truly just meant to be medicinal, why can't you continue to go to the pharmacy and get it from the pharmacy? Why is the need for all of this? But the thing that he notices the most in his patients that are very addicted mm -hmm. is that they grow furious when he tells them that they might need to consider <laughs> that the withdrawals that they're experiencing or the stomach issues that they're having could be related to their marijuana use. And they get crazy. But they get crazy. He said, mm -hmm. you know, drugs, alcohol, um, even prescription drugs, people are willing to listen. Mm -hmm. They're willing to consider. But he said his patients that use marijuana recreationally are livid when he suggests that that might be a cause. Do you see this happening with people who um, are a part of the industry or are very in love with using marijuana just in general um, that they can't imagine not using it um, because I have mm -hmm. a problem when you get furious about anything, especially being told that you are contributing to your own demise, but you won't listen. Right. I mean, here's that whole theme again of not listening. Right. It, it, I've seen that. Uh, there's actually, there's a Facebook group called the cannabis hyperemesis syndrome uh, support group. Um, I love reading their stories and I, especially the stories of the people that have, broken free from addiction. And they talk about how much better their life is. I had no idea my life could be this much better. Uh, but it's really interesting that even then they get very, very uptight about, um, they want to make sure it's legal. They want to make sure everybody can have it. Um, and then some open their eyes and realize, no, it shouldn't be. This is a lot more dangerous. There is a consensus, however, that they just want to be told the truth. They do. Mm. They wish that people told them about CHS before they got it. CHS and it's so expensive. Cannabis hyperemesis syndrome. Okay. It's called scrometing. And what happens is, is that, you know, when you're taking THC daily, even if it's say Delta 8 or Delta Not from the hemp products that's very poorly regulated right now, you overwhelm your natural God-given endocannabinoid system. It's a beautiful thing that God created for us. There are natural ways to tone that system up and to uh, make yourself healthier by treating it well. But THC on a regular basis destroys those receptors. It weakens that system. And that's when it, people end up having the increased anxiety, psychosis, schizophrenia. But they can also go develop this terrible GI disorder. And we call it scrometing because it's screaming and vomiting nonstop. For real. And the average... Okay, this is, I, yeah. I actually thought that was a terrible word to start with, but now that I know yeah. what it means, no, I have no idea. I thought y'all knew, but I didn't know. Very real. 
Yeah, and that's the other the the concern with um, you know ER physicians across the country. They say you have you have no idea what's about to come your way, and uh, the the ERs will continue to be inundated with these types of patients. Amy's husband is GI specialist. He sees it. We've been seeing it a lot more and more in Alabama. And um, usually statistically, it takes about five hospitalizations for a marijuana addict to finally give up the weed to get better. Each hospitalization averages $70,000. And so the cost to hospitals mm -hmm. is outrageous. There was a study done not too long ago, study looking at one hospital system in one city in Colorado before marijuana was legalized fully. So it was like 2009 to 2014. And that one hospital in a five-year period lost $20 million just due to marijuana complications alone. When extrapolated across the state, it was well over $100 million. Did, did the Alabama Hospital bring, Association weigh in at all? Uh, they don't care. Of course no. not. I already, I spoke with Dane Howard. I reached mm -hmm. out to the Hospital Association try to give them that data, try to talk to them about the upcoming uh, crisis. Mm -hmm. And thanks for the information. We think we'll be fine is pretty much what mm -hmm. they said. And then every day they go in the awesome. legislature's office, legislator's office. Our rural hospitals are broke. We, we have no money. Save Please us. give right. us more. That's give right. us more. Give us more. We need medical. Oh, they just for recently, the hospital association, uh, KIV gave them a lobbyist group, all that ARPA money so they mm -hmm. could decide which hospitals and clinics, it's this this constant delegation to a bureaucracy, right. to a lobbyist, to unelected people. And that's kind of the, beyond marijuana, the thing that has disturbed me so much, I'm just a simple mom who was on a mission, okay, going down to Montgomery. And I found myself in the belly of the beast and I'm just now coming up for air to warn people in this state because my bubble was burst a year ago when I thought, oh, at least in Alabama, we're safe. We're right. not going to be as crazy as the rest of the country. And now I'm very upset because I thought I lived in a place that was going to be safe and wholesome to raise my children. Mm -hmm. And it isn't true. And if we don't do something about these primaries coming up to clean up the Republican Party, because it was the Republicans that brought all of this in. That's right. We will not. It'll take about a generation to clean up the poor governance, the cronyism that is taking place in Montgomery today. I'll, I'll, just as an aside, I was there when Republicans took over the majority in the legislature. And I, th I think back to when we were in the minority. And the, the Republican legislature over the last few years has passed all, almost all of the things that we would have just died on the sword, you know, fallen on the sword for to kill in the old mm -hmm. days. And it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I often I think, why did we even bother telling the people of the state, vote for us, put us in charge? I mean, our campaign ad should have said, vote for us, put us in charge. We'll pass everything the Democrats say they want to pass, right? yeah. but we'll do it worse. Yeah. I mean, it, it really we'll is sad. we'll do it with sad. a smile saying we're conservative Christians. Yeah, we're vote for, for we're, us. Vote for us. Fam and family values. Allison, you... <laughs> I am so sick and tired of hearing, I'm a Christian conservative. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. Right. All I want, all I want is courage. Well, that's, that's in short supply. Courage. So, so you I were saying you were a normal person. You went down there and, and then you were in the belly of the beast. So it was worse than you could ever imagine, isn't it? 
just the yeah. corruption, the cronyism, the things that people are up to, the the uh, people being compromised. I, I try to tell folks that, the, and they don't believe they it. They do not believe it. I was there yesterday, and I walked through the halls, and it just kind of gives you the... You there is a darkness. There is, there is a, no, a creepy and, and darkness. I, there is. There's like and it's a not just that the lights are out. It's oppression. It feels oppressed when you're it's, in there. It's heavy, heavy. And I didn't like it at all. I left, and I was like, oh. Christine, I can't imagine because I, I kind of watch from afar. I rarely go, and you've spent a lot of time there. So... um I, I can't imagine some of the stories you have. Uh, and probably, I mean, with Republicans like these, who needs Democrats, right? With conservatives <laughs> right. like this, who needs progressives? Right. So what, um, I mean, you, you're you going to call on everybody to get into the voting booth on May 24th. Uh, any experiences you want to share that just... Yeah, like what's something that you're like, oh my gosh, there's just no way this this can actually be happening. I can't be hearing this. I can't be seeing this. I can't. Yeah. This is just um, too incredible. It's some of it's a mixture of, you know, a lot of these legislators are really nice people who intended to do well. And when I would sit down and talk with them about some of the things regarding this law, they had the same reactions that a lot of you you just did. Can this really be possible? Um, I think what was very upsetting was that there is so much dedicated belief that what Senator Melson was saying is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this inability to recognize truth from falsehood was very troubling. Um, I have to, you know, give Will Ainsworth credit for the fact that he would meet with me and meet with some other conservative leaders. You know, he doesn't get a Christ. vote, though. But the problem was, well, the problem was is that he supported the passage of the bill last year and tweeted out support. Okay. So, you know, I said, hey, I was really disappointed that you did that. But how can we work together? And I gave him my top 10 list of the main problems that are wrong with this bill. He loved it. He liked it. Mm -hmm. He said he would support me. He said he would help. He said, let's get some of these things passed. Okay. I just need you to sit down with Senator Melson and see if you can come to an understanding. Okay. We will play that game. We had to sit down with Senator Melson. He looked over our top 10 list. He was very flippant. He put the list down and he said, I will not lift a finger to do any of this. And there are other people in the room, a very conservative, wonderful senator and a wonderful conservative activist. We're also there. And I just said, well, why not? I, I know we don't agree on everything, but we can't let pregnant women get this. We can't. We've got to adjust this age issue. There's some da- there's some dangers here. Right. Well, the governor doesn't want to. Really? He runs our legislature. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. What do you mean the governor doesn't want to do this? <sighs> I mean, I, she really. Said, hmm. I just want to slump down in my chair, you I know, kind of like like a cartoon character. Yeah, just like that. Like I want to slump <laughs> down because you literally, what else? Like you have physical reactions to just how corrupt and pathetic mm-hmm. the people down there are behaving right now. Like I can't. But I can't. But, but I served with Kay when she was the lieutenant governor. I can't believe we're. And I can't Kay. imagine anybody said. Oh. But the governor doesn't want it. But the K doesn't want it. I mean, she well, I mean, runs I, that place. But but where's the muscle? Well, the muscle has got to be in the leaders. special interest somewhere. I am waiting. Or something. If, if any senator or representative is listening, this is your Ron DeSantis moment. You've said that before. Like, yep. step up, plead, mm-hmm. please be our hero. I mean, because really, right. go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, there's opportunity everywhere. Like, 
I, I'm walking through the halls and and I'm like, you should be a leader. You should be a conservative leader. You, we got four in the House and the Senate. Yeah. I mean, we have a we have a few. We have a few. Well, I want to hear how it ended with Melson and Ainsworth. What ended up happening? Well, you know, I, I said, what do you mean the governor? Uh, how, why wouldn't she want to do this? I mean, this is just some like basic pro-life stuff. And he says, well, she just wants to let it all flesh itself out. And I said, you mean she wants to flesh out pregnant women using marijuana? And he shrugged his shoulders. He deflected. And then he moved on to another subject. And repeatedly, I and other people have been trying to reach the governor's office to say, why is this the case? Why, why won't you allow any? And she just, maybe it's because it's an election year. I don't know. I would have thought it would have helped her if she says, hey, I'm going to stand for the unborn and make sure that they don't get exposed to marijuana. Uh, but there's this big pressure to just let everything be handled through the bureaucracy, through the commission. And so ever since then, um, our ability to just do pass one bill, the unborn protection bill, was blocked at every turn. Uh, Melson made threats to people and said he would, you know, stop anything that was going to change marijuana legislation. Um, Larry Stutz, a practicing OBGYN, a true conservative, filed this bill in the Senate. Jim McClendon held it in hostage in the Health Committee for three weeks. Larry Stutz had to pull the bill, refile it to get under a new committee. And when we finally had our committee hearing last week, oh, all of a sudden there was one person short of having a quorum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like yep. to the wall. Um, mm. Being it, we finally had a true conservative stand up to actually file a companion bill in the House. But Mac McCutcheon won't even allow it to go into committee. Just a so bill to a say you can't play. be doing medical marijuana yeah, if you're that pregnant. You have to take a pregnancy test before they issue your card. Which is standard well, as a not, female. Go ahead. Yeah, and not only just as the card, it's just before purchase. Because you can get a card, but you right. don't have to renew until right. a year later. And, and maybe so it is hard like to any, enforce, but at least you're getting the message out there. Hey, you don't need to be right. taking taking this. That. So I've had similar experiences through the years. And it just makes you want to just go, what, what, are, what are we doing here? What, mm -hmm. How yeah. frustrating is it? So, so did the lieutenant governor crack down on anybody? Did was he was he mad at anybody? No, I can't. I, and in some of these personalities he, that you're telling me, I'm like, when did they get? When did they start carrying big sticks? That's that's when I felt so disappointed because nothing nothing effective was done, even just for this one bill. And we asked and we asked. You know, we did what you asked us to do. We met with Melson. He's not going to help. Will you stand up? And I think that's that's the disappointing part is when I say I'm tired of people saying they're a Christian conservative and I just want courage. I want someone to have a backbone and stand up and say, I don't care what KIV wants. This is the right thing and I'm going to do it. I don't care if someone's going to donate to my campaign. This is the right thing. We're going to stand up for this. And I just didn't see that. Um, disappointed and even underscoring more and more how we have to have major change happening in Montgomery, May 24th. But it's so difficult because everyone's going to run, as you said. I'm a Christian conservative. I'm fighting for mm -hmm. you. I'm a warrior, fighter, fighter, warrior, warrior, Christian, Christian, fighter, fighter. <laughs> and, 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 and so we're all stuck because everyone's saying that. And one of the people running probably is, and it will be the person who raises the least amount of money mm -hmm. that everybody probably labels as crazy. 
And that's probably the person we should right. elect. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't they point. don't care. So I I mean, I, is this the circle of truth, us and Yes, and nobody yeah, it's just us. Just truth. don't tell anybody. Well, I'm it's just quiet. gonna be and Christine and I have talked about this. I mean, my mom two years ago, she had brain cancer, she passed away. And at the end of her life, I'm an only child. We don't have any other family. Well, my family, I'm from Knoxville, but um, here, and she lived here. And so it was just me caring for her. So I was there through all of the stages of her um, dying and diagnosis. And in that moment, I would have done anything. Luckily, mm -hmm. she was not in any mm -hmm. pain, right. um, but I would have done anything in her end stages of life to make mm -hmm. her. And I'm like, I don't know. I'll call the high school drug dealer if I have to. Like, I really right. don't care, you know, what, whatever it yeah. takes. So, but to me, what we're talking about, that's very different. We're talking about getting medical marijuana as somebody that in stages of life mm -hmm. versus medical marijuana for the 19 year old who has anxiety over a test. So he says he has anxiety and he goes in and gets his medical. I mean, this is such an irresponsible bill on so right. many levels. Like I am for medical marijuana. Right. To me, this is recreational marijuana. Under with the, the guys, yes, and you know absolutely. there was a bill in the house. Um, I think it was a house bill to legalize recreational small amounts of marijuana. Like this is the beginning of the snowball. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Christine, we're running out of time, but I do want you to talk about how do we keep these pot shops because they're coming to a store. Yes, I mean, they are. A, a corner near you very soon. And and the one good one other good thing that the legislature did was change it to an opt in. Mm -hmm. Um. Scheme as opposed to an opt out, so for the cities, for the cities, what about the counties and the and the counties too, correct? And the counties, okay, yeah. And so, how do we lobby with our? I don't want a pot shop next to my high school where my kids go. You know, like uh -huh. how do we lobby our county commissions and our city councils to keep uh -huh. these off of every corner um, in the coming years? You need to develop relationships with your mayor, your city council, and your county commissioners, and you need to communicate with them that you do not want to opt in. Uh, we do have that uh, very nice provision that in order to get a pot shop in your community, your mayor and city, your city council, or your county commissioners have to actually vote to have it in. So the only place that's done that so far that I know of is, is Montgomery City. Um, which is just perfect. <laughs> but um, that's you have to be alert as a as a private citizen in your local community. You have to be alert to what's going on and make sure that the people you vote for are not going to let that be snuck in and that they do not fall for the the myths of, oh, look at all this money that we're going to get because the societal costs end up becoming much more expensive. Um, but you're not automatically opted out from having grows having processors, uh, someone that wants to set up a delivery service. Uh, you're not automatically opted out from the whoa, van. Whoa, whoa, it's going to be decorated whoa, like an ice cream truck yeah, sitting go at back. your park. You just said delivery service. What? Mm -hmm. Like you can Uber Eats your gummies? Not right now, but that provision will come. Yeah, that will come. And so there's all these other, and you know, you don't, you're not automatically opted out from what your own school board will do. So is your school board going to say, uh, no, none of our teachers and coaches and everybody can be on this stuff? These are all the little things that you have to think about. Uh, we are working with some legal experts to try and come up with some amazing ordinances that cities and counties in Alabama could just, you know, plug and play and apply. Uh, because what we found is, is when we're talking to individual cities and counties, 
All you need is some kind of untrustworthy council president or your city attorney to muck up all the 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 things that you want to do. And then there's not any of those you. in the state. I mean, can no. you imagine being a senior in high school before you graduate? By the time our three or our youngest graduate from high school, they could just call for a delivery before their senior exams. Well, I was thinking, I haven't even thought about teachers. What if all your teachers are high every day? It's going to be like the most unmotivated, get nothing. They're already behind because of COVID. Oh, oh this is such yeah, a disaster. So these, are, these are a lot of, these are a lot of details. Yeah. Mm. Well, There's a lot you, of details. So stay in touch with your local representatives and, and, and make sure they don't opt in. But you need to start the process also saying we need to pass ordinances to protect us from all the other issues that aren't covered. Do you have a website? I know you have documents and you've done a great mm -hmm. job um, sending documents out, kind of how to talk to your city council and your mayor and and different documents on not in our town, the program you put together. So is there a web page right. for that? And then also a lot of you referenced a lot of studies and things, um, statistics. Do you have, I like receipts. I like to go back and mm -hmm. look at the data. Yeah. Um, do you have a website that people could go to to look up so that? Yeah, let me tell you some websites. Um, I don't have a website of my own. Um, sorry, I'm just too busy to even fool with that. That would be so but, easy. Let's talk. I could help you with that. I know. If we want to do that, would be great. Um, but um, Eagle Forum and ALCAP have a lot of those resources on their websites. Okay. So they have a, a page talking about medical marijuana, and a lot of those resources of Not In Our Town is right there. Um, an excellent, excellent site that is medically based it's not funded by the marijuana industry or anything it's called isaac1.org i-a-s-i-c the number one.org it's run by an international academy of world-renowned experts who really know what they're talking about and they also offer grand rounds they're so get into their speaker series their speaker series is phenomenal they offer ceus for physicians and so far, I can't seem to get the Cannabis Commission here to pay attention. Maybe you can help me with that. It's, it's excellent. Um, excellent medical background. Doctors would love to see this. So, so spread the word to doctors and nurses about that service. Uh, so yeah, documents, you can go to Eagle Forum and ALCAP. And then Isaac1.org is a great beginner clearinghouse for expert uh, medical information. No, thank you very much. Thank you, Christine. You're Christine, welcome. Christine, you've done a great job. I really want to get you on again sometime in the future to just tell us about the, the experience of going to the swamp and realizing what kind of monsters are there. I really would like to hear that sometime yeah. in the future if you, if you would like to do that. But I appreciate sure. all of your input and all of your hard work. I just, it is, it is so difficult to convince people who, a lot of people don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. They don't know. And it's like you said, and I've said the same kind of thing. If something was wrong with my, one of my children, I would go anywhere, do do whatever, but reality is, I could get help already. Right. Right. With that. Right. But people don't know it, and then we're back to the original question, which is, oh, this is wonderful. It's a, it's a, it's a happy unicorn of everything. It'll just fix everything, and people really believe it. And now we're behind the eight ball because the legislature right. made some very, very, very poor decisions. That's right. Well, it, in my own personal my own personal life i i'm a mom that knows what it's like to be a special needs mom and uh i have a, a child that does have epilepsy and i know what it's like to bury a child 
And when it comes to compassion, believe me, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. The I will do anything for my child. I completely get it. And my heart goes out to that very small group of parents who need something possibly like this for their child, but not this way. Um, I want to help find a better way, a safer way, a much more medically valid way, not a let's make the marijuana industry another powerful entity in the state of Alabama and create an essential narco state. Right. I don't think that's what Alabamians want. We don't want that. It here. will. It will change the landscape of Alabama forever. Absolutely will. Yeah. Christine, I agree. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Great yeah. to see you. Appreciate it. Any, any last words? We've, we just I'm gonna go home and cry. That's a little yeah. depressing. It is. <laughs> I'm just a barrel of sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was fun, thank Christine. Yeah. Thanks so much. Fantastic yeah. job. <laughs> oh, hey, well, Have thank y'all. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Thank y'all for uh, watching Alabama Unfiltered this week. Like I said earlier in the program, go ahead and give us five stars, a thumbs up. Tell, tell all your friends about it. We appreciate you spending time with us, and we'll see you next week.